Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. It is Friday. That means it is time for the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. A chat about this and that and the other. Serious, not so serious. You know, everything in between. And uh, it also means having someone here to do, to have that chat. Today, dressed head to toe in Ticat black and gold and looking very, very much like the, the, the mascot almost for the great city of Hamilton. Mike Fortune from Cable 14's The Hamilton Network. How are you? Great to be here. I'm doing well, Scott. Uh, that's probably all I could do on, the, on a gridiron now is be a mascot. But uh, yeah, hey. Cheerleader. I, you could be a cheerleader. I, I, there, there are male cheerleaders. Sure. Not in Hamilton. Have but to lift anyone or get thrown in the air? Sure, by all means. Uh, hey, I'm looking forward to the football season. We're, uh, we're a ways away, we're, but yeah. We're a few months away, but listen, you know, there, you, you see Coach O doing his thing. You know, you're hearing stuff. I'm excited. Ready not, to go. Not Coach O anymore. Not Coach O. President, president O. o. Yes. President O. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so he's the second President O. <laughs> <laughs> the other one was in the States. That's right. Yeah. Slightly bigger platform. You know what? And uh, uh, Coach O, uh, formerly Coach O, he, he, he did... He did the job that he needed to do. Yeah, he couldn't bring us the cup, but uh, nobody can. I, I, I that's true. <laughs> I, I think he's in a good place now. I think a different voice is needed in the media through a head coach, in the dressing room through a head coach, and uh, let's see what happens. What the boys well, can do. I wrote this week something that I, I, I truly believe, and I'm hoping changes. But it, I pointed out that if you are a fan of the Hamilton Ticats, the Toronto Maple Leafs. <sighs> the Toronto Blue Jays, and the Buffalo Bills. And there are many, many, many people in this listening area who are fans of those four teams. Your, uh, Mike's pointing at himself vigorously, uh, many of you are. I'm not sure who did what to who <laughs> to anger some m- malevolent sports god, yeah. but we are, people here are suffering through, uh, it's inexplicable how four teams from the same region can, Mike, not just lose regularly. They don't just lose. They lose in the most painful ways. They find new creative ways to torture their fans. But you know what? That makes us a, a strong, hard-nosed group. You're just a giant callus with legs. We are, <laughs> we are waiting to explode... At well, any minute yeah. for any big uh, national championship across North America that we will be part of. Do you really, okay, so do you really believe that when you saw the Toronto Raptors parade, do you really believe that Toronto Raptors fan base is that much bigger than any other fan base in the world? No. It's no. exactly what you said. People have been kicked in the junk and punched in the face so many times that something good it was a reason to celebrate for any reason, uh, and whether you're the diehard Raptors fan or you just yes. jumped on for the, the yes. last game for yes. crying out loud, you and you wanted to be able to say I was there. Yeah, no, I, eighteen I, billion people were at that parade. I think apparently, that's the, I think that was the official number. <laughs> yeah, exactly, I think that right? Was the official number. But no. you know, listen, you know, it, we we, uh, we 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 grew up in this area. You know, you've covered so many of the sports. You see it from a completely different angle. Uh, and, you know, Steve Milton did as well. And during his glory days with the spec and now he's moved on. It's uh, it's an exciting time. We're, we're glutton for punishment. But at the same time, you support your team. Well, I'm just I'm hoping I'm hoping. So I have 
less than 0% faith that the Maple Leafs are going to end their drought anytime soon. I, I, Agreed. I've, I have, Agreed. I have reached the conclusion that I will not ever live to see the Leafs Forget win a championship, get to the finals. I have a new rule with the Maple Leafs. Uh I do not watch any regular season hockey. I will not watch first round. I will start watching in the second round. I will pay attention to the news and I'll watch some highlights so I know what's going on. I don't watch a full hockey game anymore. Okay, so there's the Leafs. No, no, there's the Leafs. The Blue Jays, uh, the Blue Jays, I would say, okay, there's a chance... Except then you look at what the Dodgers are doing and you say, even if you somehow can get to the World Series, I don't love your chances, but... Eh. And, and I, I, I disagree. I do not think they will win a World Series anytime soon. I believe uh, upper management and those that fund uh, that organization are in it for one thing only, and it's to make money, keep their shareholders happy. Well, sure. And it's not about the team on the field anymore. It's about the experience of going yeah. to the diamond and give us your money through this way. And you know what? We'll tease you with the odd player here and there. So that's my thought on the Blue Jays. Well, and the Buffalo Bills, um, let's just say that <laughs> the, the, I, I don't know of another franchise, honestly, that has so many moments of despair that they have names for those moments. The yeah. Music City Miracle, Wide Right. 13 seconds, uh, it, like no other fan, n- n- and there's just no reason to believe the Cosmos will allow the Buffalo Bills to ever enjoy anything. There's always, always got to be something, and there, I, I truly don't think there's ever been a franchise, and someone can correct me and tell me what I'm missing. And maybe the Cleveland Browns, maybe the Cleveland Guardians, I don't know. But I don't believe there's ever been a franchise that has more suffered than Buffalo Bills fans. You'd probably have to dig a little deeper, I I guess, if you were a a Boston Red Sox fan for so many years. But they got their four World Series since then. Or the Cubs. Got theirs. And you're right, but it took them so long. It did. There's that possibility. But even while the Cubs were not winning for 108 years, you had Michael Jordan winning. Every the greatest player, arguably in basketball, winning. Yeah. Uh, Dar writes in by the way and goes, "You could also add the Buffalo Sabers because there's fans around here. Yes, the only team ever to lose a Stanley Cup on an illegal goal. Uh, yeah, that's. R- oh, remember that? <laughs> just just in case that Buffalo was, had yeah. not had enough. Yep. Of times having their face stomped on Mind by. You did, didn't Gretzky say it was a good goal? It was not a good goal. I don't care what Gretzky said. <laughs> I, uh, under the rules of that year, yes, where if your was toe illegal. was touching the crease, by the rules of that time, which were stupid rules, were stupid I grant rules. you, but by the rule of that time, it was an illegal goal, and there had been hundreds of goals called back over that yeah. year. And the one that mattered, that's eh, fine. That's fine. It's let just it, Buffalo. Let it end. We knew it's that just was Buffalo. Just Buffalo. It's just Buffalo. They don't, they, they, you know, let's give them something. If it, you know, they know how to suffer. We'll just leave it. At any other place, we'd be worried for their mental health. Buffalo, no. It's... <laughs> and, and then you got the Bills, too. Sorry about going. And, and then, you know, they have an opportunity to kind of right a wrong with the stadium, and they're not even putting a roof on it. Well, see, now, so, that's, that's a discussion for another day. Yeah. I, I kind of like the idea of not... The Bills' problem with the stadium... And the snow and everything and the reason their game was delayed, that had nothing to do with the stadium. That was the roads getting to the stadium. You couldn't get there. Unless you're going to dome the entire Orchard Park region. (laughs) I don't, you know, I'm I'm all for having a home field advantage. But anyway, Mike, uh, there was a release that came out from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation um, a couple days ago 
that pointed out that federal politicians, so MPs, will get another 4%, 4 4.2% raise on April the 1st, which means that since 2020, when COVID started, your average run-of-the-mill backbench MP's salary has gone up by $23,800, and ministers have gone up by $34,900, and... The rest of us, not so much. No. But on the flip side, MPPs at Queen's Park have not had a raise since 2008. So you've got the two uh, opposite sides here. On the one hand, you say, we got to give politicians raises come hell or high water. Doesn't matter what's going on in the world. Doesn't matter if our deficit and debt is spiking, they get the raise. On the other hand, doesn't matter what they do, politicians are not going to get one cent of a raise. Which is the better option? That I get a raise? Can we put that in as a C? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people would answer that. Yeah. Listen, you know, I, I, I never begrudge anyone of, of, of getting a raise and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, with, with the times that we're in, Scott, you know, I and I don't like using the t- term tone deaf, but I will. It would be nice if they just kind of scaled things back and said, look, you know what? This is not necessary right now for us. We have bigger issues that we have to look after. I don't know if I'm answering your question. No, you are. We have bigger, bigger fish to fry here, other people to look after, housing issues. Let's, let's practice what we preach and, 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 and let's help out and give back where we can. Again, I have no problem if people want can make as much money as they can. All the power to them. But when you're in a political situation, you got to go knocking on the doors in a couple of years or whatever the next election might be. You know, that's what would be a big question to me. Why did you accept the race? The average salary among full-time workers, according to Statistics Canada across this country, is $67,000. Mm-hmm. MPs prior to this upcoming increase are making $194,600. If you're a, ca- a minister... $287,400. I, I... You see why people want to get into politics, though. Yeah. Because once you get in... <laughs> oh, you make good money, and then if you can get... I think it's if you get two terms... Then your pension, yeah. you're looked after, you get all your benefits, the whole works. See, I, the, I've been thinking about the provincial one lately since I learned that they... Since I was reminded they had not had a raise since 2008. And I do not want taxes to go up. Nope. I do not want uh, money being spent ridiculously. I do think there is an argument argument to be made that somehow, some way, with, through some method, that no raise in uh, 16 years is probably, there's probably room for some kind of raise. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, I don't know how. We can, we can talk about how you want to do that, but but this, to me, is ludicrous. This, mm-hmm. I, I cannot believe that federal politicians, as you say, are so tone deaf that they're not struggling to find crumbs to eat, that they would not say, oh, you know, with the deficit the way it is, with the fact that it keeps rising, we are going to collectively pass. Or even if they can't pass, if there's some rule that says they can't eliminate this because of something, we are going to ask the exchequer to take the amount of our raise and f- throw it back into the p- pit 
into the pot so that it goes directly against the deficit. Something. 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 And and while well, while you were talking Food banks there, in Ottawa, whatever. Well, and, and you know, we also don't know what these individual politicians maybe do with that extra. Maybe they do give a lot back. Maybe there is a f- uh, they, they they're into philanthropy and so on. I we hope don't so. truly know. We can't ask for their their bank statements and all that. But you would like to hope and think that that is one thing that they are maybe doing. Say, and, and maybe they don't even need all about to get appearance, on Mike. Politics yeah, is it. all about appearance. We, you know, it, it, we were talking uh, during the commercial break as I was talking with Scott Thompson before we came on the show about the, um, you know, the prime minister getting plenty of mockery lately for the way he <laughs> clapped at a hockey game, which yeah. you know was silly. It's all about appearances. As a politician, one of the appearances should be. I am either not going to take this money or I am going to show that I'm giving this money to a charity somewhere. And, you know, with the amount of, depending on what side of the fence you sit on, the hot water that Trudeau is in, how he's liked, disliked mostly, I guess, at this point, wouldn't this be just a a great PR move for him? A, A great PR move, but also a great humanitarian move? I think this would be such a smart move for any party in Ottawa right now, if you're Pierre Polyev, how have you not called a meeting of your members, of all of them, all the people who were, mm-hmm. m- m- you know, uh, MPs for the Conservatives had a meeting and said, the first time when we come back and sit on Monday, I am going to stand up and I'm going to say, we are rejecting our pay increase for this year un- unanimously, unanimously and lead the way. Or, or again, I, I don't begrudge people getting raises. I've said that a few times. Maybe they say, you know what? We're only going to give ourselves a 0.5% or a percent raise, yeah. and that money goes back. I think that that ship sailed during COVID when people were losing jobs, losing yeah. businesses, and the politicians couldn't find it in themselves at that time yep. to say we're passing on our increases. They were still accepting increases. I've said this many times on this show and other places. I think that the political pay scale is entirely backwards, entirely backwards. Completely out of whack. Not even out of whack. I think it's entirely backwards. MPs, I'm sorry, MPs, I really don't believe you work the hardest of all politicians, especially backbenchers. I don't believe you do more work than all politicians. City councillors do more work. Grassroots. Grassroots, answering phones, all that stuff. If you're going to be paying anybody $200,000, it should be the city councillors and the $100,000 paycheck should be the backbench MP. It's flipped. It's backwards. It's never going to change because we look at municipal politicians as the low point on the totem pole. They are not. They are the ones doing most of the hard work. No, and, and I understand everything you were saying. I will say I have never walked the day in the life of an MPP. I don't know what a schedule would be like for them on a daily basis or even a weekly basis. Maybe there's a lot more that they do do that isn't talked about. I don't know. But I see your point. I get it. I, I get just, where you're coming from. I, I, would, I would be okay somehow to somehow have the discussion and say, okay, you know what? 16 years without a raise. Yeah, you're doing okay. But I, 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 can, I would be okay with some kind of raise. But raises constantly like the MPs are getting... No, no, not, not, not no. required. And, uh, and again, it's offensive. It, it, it's offensive. It is. It really is offensive. And especially in these times it's offensive and that they can't see this somehow. 
and those would be the same doors that they're knocking on to get my to get their vote. Wouldn't again. that be an interesting thing, Mike? If somehow, as a people, mm-hmm. everybody was told and everyone agreed, as soon as someone comes and knocks on your door, say, "How many pay raises did you take? I'm not voting for you. Yeah, leave. How many pay raises did you take?" I'm not voting for you. And just, you walk down the street and one after the other says, how many pay raises did you take? Get out of here. You've lost my vote. Yeah. And, uh, hey, that's, uh, that's the life of a politician and, uh. Not the life of a Hamilton Network or Scott Radley show host. Radio show host, yeah. (laughs) The the raises don't come quite as fast or as furious on this business. I'd be giving you a raise in a heartbeat, pal. Well, that's, uh, that's very kind of you. Um, (laughs) fortunately, I don't think you hold the checkbook. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Nobody rides much these days. Maybe well, they better hope that's not the case when the LRT starts. If Johnny Cash <laughs> starts singing in there and he's singing, nobody rides them much these days, man. Mike Fortune, that is bad news if it you're is. the LRT. That it, cannot happen. And it's, it's listen, it, it's possible. How long have we been talking about this subject for now? Uh, going on 10 years for I was, sake? I was in grade three <laughs> when, this, <laughs> when this was first brought up. Uh, no, I, look, to, this, this doesn't go away. And all that happens is the sub-discussion changes, right? It's LRT is the umbrella and there's all these little things. And this week it was the staff report that says that Hamilton should contract out, should bring in a third party to operate the LRT, which of course was strongly rejected by Eric Tuck, the head of the HSR union who was on this show. Unsurprisingly, I would have been I would have fallen out of my chair if he'd come on and said, we think what that's a, a terrific super. idea. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, that was never going to happen. But uh, I mean, what do you think about that? Because the, the, the underlying position, I believe, although it's pretty complicated, the report, the underlying position is this is probably going to protect Hamilton and save us money. If we get people to do this, we're not on the hook for this. We don't have to hire all these people. It is, I, as I understand it, this is a financial thing. And then they're suggesting after 10 years, there'd be an out clause. So 10 years in the city, if it looks like it's a real Mm-hmm. lucrative thing, mm-hmm. we can then take it over. But what do you think about the idea? I, I, I do see uh, uh, both sides. I truly do. And you know, can kind of compare it maybe a little bit to um, the uh, the uh, the highway, with, uh, 407, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Listen, I know you want to have control of stuff. I have no issues with city staff coming out and saying, listen, let it go private Let's see where things go after how many years it was, three, five, ten. Yeah. ten. But it really gives you a really good, not a small sample size, it gives you a 10-year size of saying, okay, this is now something. All the kinks will be worked out, all the issues will be set aside, and now we can just develop and grow it. And I have no issues with that potentially being a way that we go. I understand where Mr. Tuck is coming from and and the HSR side of things, but do we really want to have all this extra stuff on our plate right now? We we have infrastructure issues. We we got so many other things. What's so wrong with saying, hey, you know what? Thanks. Thanks for looking after our baby. Appreciate it. Um, Let's work together. Let's work closely during this. 
and then maybe there'll be a nice little handoff of the baton in 10 years in, you know, 2099, and, uh, you know, we'll go from there. On mo- <laughs> uh, so on Monday, yesterday on the show, Josh Matlow, who's a counselor in Toronto, uh, was on the show, and he is coming to Hamilton. He's asked to delegate in front of Hamilton City Hall to offer his... He, he's a, a counselor in the ward where the Eglinton Crosstown LRT mm-hmm. is being built. It's been a disaster. Not so surprising. he has lots of information he wants to share, but his belief is the city should run it sh- because if you don't and something goes wrong, there is no way to get anything done because it's not your, you have no control over this. You have to go to a third party person and they could do something or not do something. I think that point makes a lot of sense. The flip side though, Mike, is this, that in Toronto, a recent report, and this was several months ago, said that the um, what's the one? The Finch West LRT, which is double the length of what ours is going to be, was going to cost $106 million a year to operate. Now it's double. So take it back. 53 million. We were told at the last prediction that ours was going to cost between 6.4 and 16.5 million to operate. Where are we at now? They're saying Toronto is going to be 53. We're going to be as low as 6.4. There is no way ours is going to be that much cheaper. I think that the numbers that we are going to find for Hamilton's LRT to operate when we finally get a number, because we're still waiting, are going to be way more than we ever expected. Way more. We know there will already be issues. It's not even, we don't even have shovels in the ground. We know with any startup, with anything that's new, there's beta tests, there are issues that have to be fixed. I don't know why the HSR would want to take on those headaches. I don't know well, why. Jobs. It's, it's jobs. I, I get that there are the jobs out there, but really, and again, I don't know much about the LRT. You put a train on a track, you got one dr- guy driving, maybe you have some attendants and you got some people behind the scenes. I'm being probably a little obtuse in that mindset. Yes, there'll be some lost jobs potentially, but if there is an issue with it, not my problem. Except what Matt Lowe says, the counselor who says, yeah, but if there's but, an issue with it and it's not you, you can't get anything done. You have no say. The city knows that it's, it's not, it's, but the city won't get yelled and screamed at then it's the company that you're going to be yelling and screaming at. I would, I would love the fact that it's an issue. (laughs) You guys got to fix it. You took it on. Thank you very much. Yeah. And, and and the HSR, they're still going to have their buses. They're still going to have to build out their infrastructure because let's also remember this is people have coined this as the train to nowhere. I I'm just saying what I've heard McMaster to the East end. You still got so much stuff for the HSR to do on the mountain in the suburbs that are growing left, right, and center. So I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing that staff has gone with this, and they know a lot more than you and I do. They put a lot more time, research into this. If this is what they're suggesting, I don't think it's a bad thought. Here's the difficult thing for me is I find myself, I hate this, I find myself in the middle, and I'll tell you why, because on the one hand, again, you listen to the Toronto councillor who says you'll have no control. That was the situation when our stadium was built and how many problems were there with the stadium? We had speakers falling off light stands and we had things, railings that weren't working, this and that and the other. And the city couldn't, I mean, the city could yell and scream, but ultimately the city couldn't do anything. It had to wait until the builder, the province, 
the private builder the province hired came in and did it. On the flip side, again, I under, I know what's going to happen. At least I think I know what's going to happen. If in a year from now or two years from now, we finally get a report saying what it's going to cost for Hamilton to operate LRT. And if it comes in, as I expect, monumentally higher than what has ever been said before, people are going to lose their minds because we can't afford to add mm-hmm. oodles more taxes. And, and if you, you, you look at that timeline a year or two from now, we're going to be right back into another municipal election. That's going to be another hot topic. Is it going sure, to be another yeah. referendum possibly, which which it shouldn't be? Um, yeah. Uh, give it to someone else. Let someone else deal with all the problems, the hiccups, and uh, let's let's try to save a few bucks and let's look after the issues that we truly need to look after, homelessness, homelessness yeah. opioids. You know, this so whole issue to me would be so much easier, so much better to, to talk about, so much better more clarity if we could ever get a flipping number on what it's going to cost. It is amazing to me that we have okayed this system, that we are progressing with this system, that everything is moving ahead with this system, and we still can't find out what it's going to cost to operate. Had we only agreed to this and got everything done 10 years ago, we'd be laughing right now. Would we? Well, maybe. (laughs) Maybe we'd be laughing, maybe we'd be crying, who knows? But, you know, you're, you're, you keep putting things off. It's like anything. You didn't buy that stock when you should have. You didn't buy that house when you should have. You didn't buy that car. Everything keeps jacking up. Then someone's going to have to pay for it. Give it to someone else. Let this, Hamilton focus on what we need to. This is just a tremendous fear of mine that this amount that it's going to cost to operate is going to end up being so much more than we've ever considered. And then you're going to have people around the council table, whatever this is, could be this council, could be the next one, could be the one after, who go, oh, we never saw this coming. And it's like, yeah, you should have, because you know, everything does. You know who's going to be laughing and chuckling, sipping on his drinks and golfing in Arizona? Former councillor Lloyd Ferguson, because this is something he said a number among of others. years ago, among others. among others. But I remember Lloyd saying it specifically, and here we are. Mike, the, pre- the Premier of British Columbia announced today that all schools in British Columbia will have policies in place n- by next school year to restrict students' cell phone classroom use. Now, they're doing something very clever with this because you and I, I think, maybe on this show weeks ago, months ago, have talked about yes, this, that have. there have been attempts to restrict use, but it's the enforcement that always falls by the wayside. They're doing something which I don't know if this is legitimately the issue or just a really clever way to deal with this. The premier's position in BC is we're doing this to protect kids against online predators. I don't know what the online predator situation is like in school, how that's different from any other time of day you have your phone. But as soon as you make this, we're protecting kids from the bad people, maybe suddenly people say, hey, good idea, take it away. Hey, listen, predators can be all shapes, sizes, and ages. It can even be for online bullying in school and, you know. But but I'm saying you, this you, can happen outside school uh, too. Of course it can. But, you know, during those key hours when you're supposed to be in school focused and studying eight till four, nine to two, whatever it is nowadays, bankers hours, I don't know. Um, 
you know, you're there for a reason and it's to focus and it's to build relationships and it's to study and it's to hopefully, hopefully enjoy your four years of high school. And I think with so many kids nowadays, they spend so much time looking down, they're not seeing what's ahead and they're not focused and they're not tuning in. And yes, then you get into the viral videos of, of the arguments and the fights that go on and, and the online bullying that can be going on during class. And yeah, there might be some predators out there that, you know, we always have to be a lot more cautious of nowadays. So listen, I think whether that's the legit excuse or that's how they're going to try to push and roll this thing out, I'm behind him 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I just don't think that there is some, I don't think predators act particularly during school hours, I, but I think it's a great thing. It, look, it hasn't worked particularly well in a lot of places when you've simply said, we're taking your phones away to help you concentrate because people come up with all kinds of excuses. If this is a safety issue, whether that's legit or not, but we are, uh, it's a, suddenly maybe people buy in. The one group that I am um, not fearful for, but I'm concerned for is, are the teachers who have to enforce this, you know? I don't think they went to teacher's college and this was kind of one of the, the topics that they had to learn. No. So, you know, you're, you're getting out of their realm of what they wanted to get into teaching for. And it will be interesting to see how that happens. And, you know, again, little Susie gets a, a, a cut finger or something and she can't text her mommy and daddy. What, what, what are those ramifications going to be? Uh, the parents will say, well, it's there because I need, I need to know where my kids are at all times. Well, do you really? You do know where your kids are. They're in school. But, and, and with your question about teacher's college, when you said, I don't know if you go to teacher's college for that, someone can text us and tell us if you're a teacher, because I didn't go to teacher's college, yeah. but I'm assuming that one of the things they do talk to you about at teacher's college is how to keep control of your classroom. Maybe that they would do. fall Maybe into that category. But are they, are, well, but is the cell phone aspect and social media aspect part of it, you know, control your classroom within these regulations. Oh, have they introduced this? I don't know. You're, and I'd love to hear someone email us in or call and whatever the case might be. So I support it. I know they've tried to do that here in Hamilton. I think it was kind of scoffed at and yeah, whatever. And as soon as, soon as the first teacher said something and did something and got the pushback, I think it all just kind of crumbled. This should be, to me, this should be the easiest thing in the world. You have... You know how in every office, if people still go to the office, you have the little cubbies for your mail or whatever, and everyone has, you know, you go in and they have the place where you people put you, you have a cubby for every kid. And when you, right at the door, and when you walk into the class, boom, in goes your phone into your little cubby and it stays there till the end of class. And to your point, if somebody cuts themselves or falls down or whatever, the teacher, it's not like the phones are being locked virally or something. Yeah. If you have to, the teacher could say, okay, Johnny, you can take your phone and call your parents if you're sick and you yeah. want to go home. It's just not in your hands all through the class. Or back in the old days. Going, oh, now no, I'm but what did you do then? What well, did you do then if you fell? The teacher would walk you to the right? office, call your parents right? at the numbers that were given to the office that you should have on file. And you sit there, you ice it, you go to the nurse, and then maybe you go home or not. Again, We've gotten so out of hand. And I, I know what you're saying about the cubbies, but you don't even have to use the cubbies because people, oh, that's an extra cost. Keep them in your lockers. Just keep them in your lockers. Uh, well, except... You get them during breaks, you get them at lunch, but during class time, keep them in your lockers. Not required. Uh, see, there I think, again, I think you may get pushback if you can't have them 
at least within reach, because something somebody will say is, well, what if there's an emergency, as you alluded to? What if it's an active shooter on school? Now, this is more of an American problem, but so no one said the teacher can't have a cell phone. So if something really dramatic and drastic happened, the teacher would have a phone. Presumably they could call 911. Presumably they have an intercom still to the office or whatever else. I just, whatever the reason, however it is that you want to position this, couch this to get to the point where people will say, okay, I'm accepting the idea that my kid is not going to have their phone in class. I support it. I like the reason behind it. However you have to get there, I think this is a great idea. And and you just hit on something there as well. It's, you have to have the parents buy in. You have to have them buy in. And for some reason, parents nowadays don't, and I said this earlier, don't want to uh, not have access to their children 24-7, which I think is a little ridiculous and sad for society. So if, if the parents aren't going to buy in, back up the teachers, the principals, then it Let's it hope it work. works. Let's yeah. hope it works hope and then everyone else sees it and then says, that's how they did it? Good. We'll do that too because I, I am in agreement. I think it's uh, a way better option than having kids with their cell phones. I know what would have happened if I was in school with a cell phone. I'd still be in grade three because I would have failed I wouldn't be 47 times. <laughs> I'd get myself in so, so much trouble. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. During the break, Mike, we were just talking, you were raving about this new, well, newish mini series called Borea about Borea Salming that is on Crave. Yeah. You loved it. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I'm sure you will have some individuals and people watching it and going, eh, well, and, and you know, you, you referenced a point, so I'm just going to let them know. You, you said it was, you know, a little schlocky. It was, it was very kind of Canadian and I agree with you, but to me, that's the charm of it. And I, I, we know the Borea story. There's lots I didn't know that I, I, I appreciated listening to. I love the creativeness behind it, how they tried to make it as authentic as possible, how they were able to grab some of this footage, use some footage, recreate certain instances. I don't know. I personally really enjoyed it. I would say if you are a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, if you're a hockey fan, give the first episode a a try. That's all I'm saying. Give it a chance. When I said it was very Canadian, what I meant by that was it, there are certain, um, there are certain TV productions that strike you as being, um, Lower budget, I, and and I know and what you're saying. This is one saying. of them, but it, yes, but we are so tuned into high def and you know 200 HD and all this great fancy stuff. This was in its most simplest form, which to me was very charming. Brought back some childhood memories. All right, that's good. Uh, enjoyed it, enjoyed how they brought you know some 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 little things into it. Give it just give it a chance. Appreciate the story. Uh, appreciate some memories of your childhood. That's what it did for me. And I, man, I wish they would bring those jerseys back. That's that's I'm going to leave the it. The 1970s ones with the white band down the arm. Yes, and, and the the nice leaf on the shoulder. That was my jersey that I had uh, for years. Uh, number 17, Wendell Clark. Uh, they they were beautiful, beautiful old jerseys. So. And it, the, what I also liked, it, it gave you more of a backstory of Borea. 
and you know what it was like in in Sweden and and to to come over and I don't know it I'm going to recommend it. I'm giving a plug out there for Crave. Tune in, enjoy it and so my Let so me know what you think. I actually have a buddy who I went to high school with yeah. who is in the movie. He was a former minor pro hockey player and I'm looking on his Facebook right now to see so he plays Gary Monahan. He plays uh, Bobby Hull on Team Canada, number nine. All these are like different wigs. Lorne Henning, and I think there's one other one that he plays as well. And Brent Ashton. Okay. So he's got a whole bunch of, so they just kept giving him a different wig and uh And again, and saying, I think it. that's great. And uh, Jason Priestley's in it, good old Canadian boy. Um, he plays the role of Jerry McNamara. And of course, Jerry McNamara went over to Sweden and was scouting the Salming brothers and all this, looking for that diamond in the rough and found it. And uh, you you think about Toronto Maple Leaf hockey, who's the one guy that most people would have on their probably top five list, I think would be Borea Salming. There you go. Yeah, no, Borea Salming there he is. is uh, yeah, that, that's cool. That's a cool photo of your, of your buddy there. It'd be great to have him on the show just to hear about the process of how they were able to make it look so 70s. Well, you know what else is 70s? Thank you for that great segue without even knowing that wow. you were offering it up. You know what else is so 70s? That show? Yeah. <laughs> so last night in the NHL, it was last night, right? Last night in the NHL, yeah. Brendan Gallagher of the Montreal oh. Canadiens pulls a 1970s maneuver with a vicious elbow. And this is the stuff the NHL has been trying to get rid of for years. A vicious elbow to the head. There was no, this was not a play where you're like, oh, he was going for the puck and he missed and caught a head. That, that stuff happens. I got to tell you, the fact that they had a hearing already, it was, the, the NHL has two different rules. If it's a phone hearing, it means the maximum suspension can be five games. If it's a in-person hearing, it means it can be more than five. They were told uh, last night or this morning that it was going to be a phone hearing. So you knew it wasn't going to be more than five. And then they gave him five games. It was just announced. But I got to tell you, I, I consistently am so underwhelmed and so disappointed and so discouraged and so, um, I don't even know what the right word is. George Peros, who's the league's head of discipline and player safety, which is the biggest oxymoron ever. You take a former goon and make him the head of player safety, whose rulings, he has a giant, I'm convinced he has a giant wheel in his office that Just he spins. spins. <laughs> yeah. There is no rhyme or reason to anything that comes out of that office. Yeah. This, this league, if it was a league that was trying to be taken seriously for player safety, it would have someone in that office, in that job, who appeared to have some consistency and explanation and rhyme or reason for what's going on. And is he not a former Montreal Canadian player too? He played with Brendan Gallagher for a season. Yeah. So, I'm so not, look, I'm not saying I, that as a former I teammate know, that I'm just, I'm just, th- I, I because just, there's been so many other ones that I have know, been all over the I'm place. I'm just going to throw I, that out yeah, there. Yeah, but yeah. I, ag- I, I, ag- I agree with you. I agree. And it, it gets to a point where, again, you have to set an example. And I know the Players Association will not like that, but you have to put rules in place. Peros is obviously not the guy for the job. NHL might think so. Players Association might think so. Okay, that's great. But on the outside looking in and what we see on the ice, 
the fact that there is so much talent in the NHL and we don't get to see it because of these hits and you're taking these these young guns out or the, 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 the star players, it's really unfortunate. Start to set a precedent. They should not have an NHL player in this role. You should have a complete... Yeah, I don't know why you, you have to have... You should have a complete third party that has no ties to anyone. I don't know why they say you have to have a guy who played in the league to understand discipline. My bigger thing is this, and I've said this before, and I'm going back to this after this yeah. decision today because I think this was inexcusable. This should have been much more than five games. There was no intent to do anything other than hurt the player. I think if I'm the NHL, if I was in charge of the NHL, what I would be doing today is announcing the NHL is out of the discipline game. We are not disciplining any other players, but that doesn't mean there will be no discipline. We are leaving this in the hands of the Players Association because you represent both players. You represent Brendan Gallagher who delivered this dirty hit, but you also take money and union dues from Adam Pellick, who's the guy who took this hit. He mm-hmm. is also your member. So why, if, if you, you can figure out, what does Adam Pellick think that Brendan Gallagher should get for wiping him out? Mm-hmm. I think the Players Association should be put on the spot to say, you want to give the guy nothing because he could lose money? Fine. Explain that to the guy who was the victim of this hit. You figure out who's going to be disciplined. And of course, you're going to have your old school hockey guys. And I would love to hear, you know, what Donnie Robertson, I know he's a regular host here on Monday nights, would have to say, you know, back in the day, these things weren't settled in a league office. They were settled on the ice. And it might turn into the biggest brouhaha imaginable. But guess what? The message was sent and you moved on. There was also, and I don't, I don't want to go back to the 1970s, but there was also the deterrent that if Brendan Gallagher, who's not a large man, he's not a large man, he's a no, small guy, plays for the Hamilton s- Bulldogs. He's a skillful hockey player. Yeah, but he's also, a, he's also a chippy guy. Yep. If he knew that there was another guy on the other team who would say, you did that to our guy? Your face is going to be mangled by the end of this game. I'm betting he doesn't do this. Now, again, I'm not arguing for vigilante justice and for guys to be hurt. I'm not saying that at all. But if you know there's someone who will settle this and you don't have to get a slap on the wrist from the discipline, the quote, quote, discipline guy who doesn't discipline anybody. Right. It, it, and as you're talking about that, it goes back to uh, just a special, another special I watched. I, f- I forget which service it was. Um, the Bob Probert story, you know, and that's that's also a reminder of the enforcer's role. And I know the NHL they work so hard to get that out of the game because how that so much affected them on and especially off the ice and post career. So. It's not even about necessarily having that guy on the other side who's going to come out and say, I'm going to get you, because that affects them. If you want to do it in the office, if you want to do it at a high level, get a third party in, and you lay it down hard. You give them 20 games minimum. Well, Mike, why has there never been... I I understand the idea of precedent, legal precedent. Legal precedent is the same with hockey. But... I can't believe that the league could not, at the start of a season, say, you know what, we're having problems with this stuff. So we're warning everybody ahead of time. That precedent that we had before 
We've put new rules in place. Look, they put rules in place for offsides. They put rules in place for replay. There's no reason you could not rewrite the rule book to say this is a much more significant penalty. Now, precedent is gone. You're getting fair warning right now. The exhibition season is going to be the trial period. And then yeah. when the regular season comes, there are new, there is no reason you could not stiffen the discipline here, but for some reason, they seem always afraid to give anybody any more than what happened before. So there must be something underlying that you, I, anyone outside of the hockey world doesn't know because, you know, there's constant general managers meetings in these beautiful, warm spots and all that. This doesn't take three or four days in Sarasota over golf to figure out what to do. It's a quick conference call. Here's what we need to do moving forward. What would have happened to Brendan Gallagher today if that was not Adam Pellick, a guy that only real hockey fans know the name, what if that was Austin Matthews? What do you think it's five games? Throwing the book at him. He's getting 15 but, games if that's should, Austin Matthews. But so what it shouldn't matter. Agreed. The, the skill of the player, how much of a marketing tool they are, that shouldn't matter. Nor should it matter whether the guy gets up or whether he is out for six weeks with a concussion. Because a hit is a hit is a hit. Well, if, you, if I punch you in the face right now, I'm not going to, just in case people are wondering, they can't see us. But if I punch you in the <laughs> face and you, and you fall down <laughs> and hit your head on the curb and die, yeah. or if I punch you in the face and you just shake it off, my intent was the same either way. I don't control the outcome. I only control knowing bad things could happen by this action. So the idea, so if you don't fall and hit your head, it's not because of some great move on my part of skillful punching. Mm -hmm. It's because I got really lucky. You didn't fall and hit your head. Correct. This guy, Adam Pellick, he could have fallen, landed on his face, had a concussion, had broken face bones, whatever else, and been out for the rest of the year. We don't know. And we have seen that. Or he could skate off and miss not one single shift. They seem to make this the point. Oh, well, he, he wasn't injured, therefore. Okay, if you want to make that the difference of one game either way, but that shouldn't be the deciding factor in a suspension. No. You committed the act not knowing the outcome, but knowing the possible outcome. Yep. And in this day and age with all the TV and the slow-mo and the zoom-in shots, you know, you, you can argue and, and, and you can really look to see... Not, I forget, what was the call on the ice? I can't even remember. Yeah, a hit to the head and a game misconduct. So he did get a hit to the head. It, was, it was a, okay. may have been a match penalty. I'm so the referee, sure. do you think you should get the referees a little more involved in some of these off-ice decisions or is that a no-no? Because they see it. They're right there. They understand. Sometimes they see it. But, and that's, that's part. No, but no, no. And <laughs> I'm not true. being funny. Sometimes no, they have right. to go to replay to see because they missed it. And so... If it's a referee who saw this, do you get a more of a suspension than if the ref missed it, but you only saw it on replay? That's yeah. No, I, I, I'm just hey, I like to spitball, throw some ideas out there. I think the, honestly, I believe the players association has to be whether they want to be or not has to be dragged into this and saying both of these guys pay dues to you. Both are your customers. Both are your clients. Do you want the guy who was the perpetrator to get nothing? And if so, please tell the guy who was the victim why he's paying union dues to you. And if you want the guy to get a hundred games because the victim is your client, please tell the perpetrator why he's getting a hundred games. But they always just seem to dodge around the edges. And 
I, it, it never makes sense to me. They dodge around the edges, and in the meantime, I have no doubt, Cole Caulfield, after the game, he either texted or reached out, and they probably, you know, bumped fists and said, you know, hey, sorry, didn't mean to do that, and, you know, hugged it out, let's go, bro, and see you next game. Who knows? I just, I, I it, it just, the NHL's discipline, and I put it in quotes, the NHL's discipline committee or rule group or whatever is in my mind, the least effectual group in any sport. But it, where where does it change? Y- you play you minor. Don't you don't hire a goon, no. a former goon, to do the job. You hire someone, as you said, don't even have to be a player, just someone with a brain who can look and see, that's a dirty play, that's 10 games. Yeah. But in regards to hockey itself, I'm going to back, you, you play your peewee hockey, you know, you got the big stop signals on the back. You, you, you're, you're taught how to hit properly. You're taught how to play the game properly. And then as soon as you get into these higher levels where all of a sudden it, it's the difference between, you know, going pro or, or flipping burgers, and there's nothing wrong with flipping burgers. Great career, seriously. You want to live your dream. It's like you do whatever you can, and do you just forget what you're supposed to actually do, you forget the etiquette of the game, which is supposed to be grace and and control toughness as opposed to cheap shots. Again, I go back to my point. You either put the players associated, you either put a proper person or group in charge of discipline, or you put the players association in charge of it, or you once again allow teams to have a goon on the ice if you really want to go back there and you get rid of this because Brendan Gallagher then wants to deliver a flying elbow, that's fine. He is going to end up going to, for stitches because some big giant six foot eight lunkhead is going to beat the living snot out of him before the game is over. But it probably wouldn't happen because I still say Brendan Gallagher would never have done this if there was a six foot eight, 260 pound guy on the other bench who would have caught him. What was Brian Burke's uh, always thing with his maple beliefs? He wanted more truculence. truculence and belligerence. Toughness, belligerence, all that stuff there. And I don't want to go back there, but it, the NHL seems to be requiring that that be considered. Yeah, and I, I know we probably have to wrap, but we it's do. interesting. I've noticed, I was talking to a hockey fan, there don't seem to be nearly as many fights in hockey as there used to be. They've gotten... Because all because side. they've gotten rid of tough guys, which I right. don't have a problem with. Right. But it has left this void for people to do stuff like, like, like this was done. And if you then, if the league does not step into the void and say, okay, we've um, we've managed to get rid of the goons, what we have to do now is make sure we don't create a scenario where goons seem like a good idea. Hence, why I enjoy so thoroughly watching World Junior Hockey or Olympic hockey, because you're just seeing the skill there. There you go. Mid next month, as we talked about on the show last night with Sean Majumder, uh, the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame induction is here in Hamilton. And Mike Fortune, you, I'm going to put you on the spot here because the amazing thing about the class that's going into this Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame is not just how great they are, but how many of them are from this area. So your job, I'm going to give you a bunch of names of the local people who are going into the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame next month. Who is the top of your list? Who is the greatest comic actor, comedian, whatever, the greatest of this bunch? Red Green, Steve Smith, Billy Van, who is not technically a Hamiltonian, but with Hilarious House of Frightenstein in Hamilton was essentially, he was an adopted Hamiltonian. Mm -hmm. Eugene Levy, Martin Short, 
Dave Thomas, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey technically was in Hamilton. Aldershot, Burlington. We're going to give him that. We're going. Well, he's, he's area. He's from this area. Went to Aldershot High School. Oh, I'll go Jim Carrey. Yeah, I'll, I'll go Jim Carrey with Martin Close being like Martin Martin Short. I'm saying being a close like a a, a one a and a half type thing. That's how I would go. Followed by Eugene Levy. That that's that's my. I, I grew up with Jim Carrey. Uh, you know, I just thought he was a comedic genius from what he came from, how he was able to build his career. Um, you know, he was great friends with Wayne Fleming, who who I got to know a little bit and saw him perform live many times. Um, I, that's how I would go. What, what, what's your thought there, Scotty? I, I, it, to me, it's so difficult between Eugene Levy, Martin Short, and Jim Carrey. About which one yeah. goes to the top. Now, so we're before, basically the same. Before I get to them, I want to tell a funny story, though, because um, years ago, uh, a, a friend of ours, uh, a pastor who was moving up here to Hamilton from Texas, the only thing that he knew about Hamilton before coming here was Red Green, because on their PBS station in Texas, they got the Red Green show. Okay. That yeah. was the extent of his knowledge of Hamilton was red green. Red green. There you go. And so okay. we're at a party, a, a birthday party for this guy, uh, probably six months or a year after he arrived in Hamilton. And one of the people at the party happened to know Steve Smith and said, Hey, would you live on the same street and said, would you mind just dropping by? This guy's a big fan. <laughs> and so Steve Smith had been out that night at some fancier getup. So he, he showed up, but he was wearing a suit and his hair was all nicely combed and his beard was trimmed. And anyway, comes to the door and somebody hustles the friend up and says, Hey, I'd like you to meet, uh, Steve Smith. And our friend, the pastor just sticks up his hand and goes, Oh, nice to meet you. And somehow because of the suit and the hair and everything else, no. Didn't pick up on who it was. Pick, <laughs> and then all of a sudden Steve Smith goes. Nice to meet you. <laughs> and his jaw drops and his eyes bug out. And it was like, oh, uh, huge. The realization. Oh, huge, huge. I, red, green. I don't think that we appreciate here. He, I, I don't, I'm not going to put him in the same category as Martin Short and Eugene Levy and Jim Carrey. But I don't think we realize what an enormous international star Steve Smith slash Red Green was, oh, is. He, 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 he was, he wasn't, is like a, an Ernie Coombs or a, or Mr. Rogers because of, of when he kind of came on the old school television, the old way of doing things. And again, those networks that it was basically free public broadcasting, everyone got to see them and appreciate tr- comedy at its grassroots again. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's really, um, it, it, it's really, but in those top three, um, Eugene Levy, Jim Carrey, Martin Short. As I'm sitting here looking at their three pictures on a computer screen, I am literally changing my decision second. As each time I think Jim Carrey, I'm like, oh yeah, it has to be Jim Carrey for the reason you said. He's just a genius in free form stuff. And then you think, yeah, but Martin Short, the stuff that Martin Short did and how brilliant and quick witted he is whenever he's a guest on a, like every talk show host wants Martin Short because he's brilliant every single time, unfailingly. And then Eugene Levy, I I don't know why I'm going here, but when I think of Eugene Levy, there's a, there's a movie that he made that probably 90% of people listening have never seen called A Mighty Wind. Yeah. Never heard of it. 
it's about the folk music industry and Eugene Levy plays part of Mitch and Mindy, a <laughs> duet, and he is a stoned out brain fried old folk <laughs> singer. It is one of the most incredibly hilarious performances ever. Love it. Okay. And I just, yeah, it's, uh, but I'll have to Google, YouTube that one. A mighty wind. A mighty wind. A okay. mighty wind. It is, um, and the, one of the great things about a mighty wind, have you ever seen Spinal Tap? Yes, I have. Yeah. So the three guys for Spinal Tap, Michael McKeon. Um, Harry Shearer and um, I don't know the third guy. I know uh, who you're talking about. I'll think of it in a second. Uh, who was married to uh, Jamie Lee Curtis? I can't remember. They are a heavy metal band in Spinal right. Tap. The three of them are a folk trio in a mighty <laughs> wind. And uh, yeah, it's different uh, role for them for sure. But they write their own. It's all anyway. Uh, I, I so yes, I will go A A and A. I just I yeah, can't it's, I can't. It's, but it's amazing that they're all from around here. We're on the same page. A, it's a comedic hotbed, and uh, y- you know th- there's, you know Martin's made his trip to his time here in Hamilton, and and you know it's it's it just it's it's cool. And I, I'm fortunate that I got to play a small role in in a little of the comedy scene here in Hamilton many years ago. You and, were involved with Donnie. See, I wish with Yuck Yucks, and I said this during break when you said this was going to be the topic. Boy, I I really wish that Donnie yes. could have been Donnie here. Coy. Donnie Coy passed to, away a couple months ago. To appreciate, to be there, to to get the appreciation. I think that he so rightly deserved. Love him or hate him. Um, you know, he, uh, he was a comedic genius here in our great city too. And uh, help, helped and encouraged a lot yes. of people yes. that are comics nowadays. I, I see, I, we got to run, but I, I think that if Donnie Coy was still alive and still well, cause he'd not been well for a while, I have to believe there would be a place for him. I don't know if in the Canadian comedy hall of fame, but certainly at this event doing a set if you you if have him host it. You have him be the MC. Yeah, but I'm that show would you. have to start after 11 o'clock at night and all children would have to be barred. <laughs> well, yes, but you know what? The great thing about Donnie, I know we got to go, the great, he, he could do the corporate keep yes. it clean gig and he could do the 11 o'clock show and just go off the walls. He was that good. Yeah, no, he, uh, it, it's too bad, but uh, I, I hope. Even though, again, I, I, he's not going to be inducted. I don't know that Donnie Coy rises to that level, but I really do hope that somewhere along the way in this week that they do something to honor him as yeah. a Hamilton legend. I mean, Yuck Yucks and all the rest. If you, if you are from this area, you probably know Donnie Coy. You probably heard Donnie Coy. You were probably at some event with Donnie Coy. Um, he deserves to be remembered. And really this. the Coy family, I'm yep. going to be honest with you, because of what they were able to do, keeping comedy here in Hamilton for so long and then branching it out through the Breslin brand, through Niagara, Windsor, uh, and, and London too. The Coy family uh, should really, I think, also maybe be 100%. recognized. 100%. Yep. All right. So um, leaving that aside for a second, I don't know if you remember, but last year, you probably covered this on the Hamilton Network on Cable 14. Last year, the city of Hamilton had a name the snowplow yeah. competition, which, you know what? Uh, look, the city does a lot of things that drive people bonkers. They do a lot of good things. This is one that uh, I applaud because, you know what? It's it's okay to just do something. Have a little fun Have a little fun. A it's okay just to be silly once in a while. No one's being hurt. No one. So anyway, here are the options for this year. You can go on and vote. And, okay, and I just, I just asked you to name your best comedian. So here you get to oh choose. Boy. I'm going to give you the list. You get to choose three to name the snow plows. Okay. All right. Coots Plowadice, Darth Blader, which I'm glad they made it only with one D. Otherwise it's Darth Bladder and that's just <laughs> not healthy. Darth Blader, 
Say it ain't snow, the fast and the flurious, burrito, thaw patrol, instead of paw patrol, yeah. ham melt on, on, that's a bit of a mouthful, ham yeah, yeah, melton, yeah. the bay sleigh, sled zeppelin, holy mackinthaw, better call mm. salt, yeah. snow kidding, eh, mountain plow boulevard, it's snow problem, that's snow and steady, ice key wawa, Taylor drift, Webster's squalls, snowmoney Lawrence, <laughs> or plowabunga. Is Simo- is snowmoney Lawrence going to have number twenty one on it everywhere? No. It could. Well, it that, could. See, it that, might, that yeah. seems like it takes over from Max Kerminator. Yeah, which that's was one right. of the ones yeah. that was there this it, year. You know, you, you st- there's quite a list. Uh, there was a couple that I thought right away, and then you added more onto it. I, I like the Tie Cat references. I, I like the Darth Blader. I, I like the Snow and Flurious one. Uh, more generic as opposed to specific parts of the city. Mm. Um, those are the ones I like. I like Snowmoney. Snow I can't even say it. Snowmoney Lawrence. Yeah. I do like Snowmoney Lawrence. I think that's very clever. Whoever came up with that one, well done if you're listening. Is he going to get, uh, does he have to sign off on that? Is he going to get any royalties? Who knows? <laughs> I would vote I would vote strongly against Taylor Drift because any. Yeah. Any mention of Taylor Swift, she has exceeded her 15 minutes in my mind. Done. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, Done. I've moved on. I know I'm not a 13-year-old girl, but I'm... Wait, I'm you, you wait for the ramp-up come September and yes, October I when they, he, she comes to Toronto. Does your, do you have tickets? We were able to get uh, a pair of tickets I remember. to a friend of ours, yes. and we paid them. Uh, we, we got through them. So, yeah, my daughter will be going. I do like Better Call Salt. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good Better and clever Saul one. Is the TV yeah, show? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a uh, that's a clever one. Not really Hamilton related though, no, but it's a but good one. I'm okay with that one. And Sled Zeppelin, I do like Sled Zeppelin. Yeah, that, I'm not a Zeppelin fan, but I, I get how people could love like the that name one. though. Yeah, yeah, Webster Squalls, I'm okay with that one too. Yeah, yeah, no, I as I say, I I I love. And I love, I mean, I give great credit. I think this is the kind of thing, honestly, the city, not everything, but that the city should do more of. Listen. Not, not, as again, not being ridiculous with every single vehicle the city has, but no. it's okay to be lighthearted about some things. You, you, it's, it's, you know, everyone talks about engagement and transparency and it doesn't all have to be the serious stuff. And, and the fact that you can then track them. Uh, through the the tracker that they have mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, it it helps get kids involved. I hope it gets everyone engaged to some extent. And it costs almost nothing it, because it, the nameplates here, just so people know. Yeah. Uh, and my, my it, what was explained to me last year when I asked about this was essentially it's printed on a giant transparent sticker with just the writing on it. So you're printing out a yeah. sticker. You're, you're not repainting the whole thing every no. year. You're not wrapping it all. It's it's simple, it's cute, you keep it, and you, it's a nice little tradition. I agree with you. There, there's nothing wrong with it at all. But you will have the naysayers out there. Well. You uh, will. You will. You I will. Don't know, I don't know who. Yes, you will. But I don't know who the naysayers are in a thing like this where, yeah, if they were going to repaint all these vehicles or you were doing something that was going to cost thousands and thousands of dollars, yeah, I, there's, there's no. If you're talking 50 bucks or 100 bucks. It's like, yeah, it's okay. It's probably a little more than that. It's probably like a couple thousand. Uh, well, I don't but know. But regardless, regardless, you're going to have people say they, they focus more on this, 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 and this. This is hogwash. And well, which, which I, 
I agree, and I think the city again. I don't think this is something that. Um, I don't think this is something that even takes necessarily work from the city. You're just, you've got your website already. You throw up a poll question, which takes, you've got enough staff already there that can do this. You throw up a poll question and uh, you put on a sticker on a truck. You do a couple photo ops, you have fun with it. See you in 2025 when we do it again. And yeah, and I don't think anybody gets hurt out of this. And um, now, what if they start to name all the little bobcats that do the sidewalks too <laughs> you want to take it to the next they're feeling left out scott you know what they should do you know what they should do okay oh boy here we go for for a period of time you, you have can, to see scott's face you can me. you get to name your counselor they don't get to go by their own name you get to come up with a name so you're you live in you live in like ward 10 you get to name your counselor you what what their nickname is going to be at council that they have to be addressed by the the can of I, I can't even imagine how that would go over. Uh, yeah, you know what? On sober second, second thought. thought mm, <laughs> yeah, mm, that, that probably. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I, you'd like to think again that, that it could be done in a way that would be fun. But I think if we were going down that path, I, I, I kind of think that it may turn into something. That would not edgier. work out well for uh, a lot of people. Edgier. It, yeah, it, not a good one. But and, and when I say edgy. You're not talking about the blade. No, no, I'm thinking it'll be actually a lot worse than edgier, but it's, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say it. Be very X-rated. Could be, could be. Um, but think, just imagine though, if you were a counselor and they put this out to people and all the, all the suggestions were loving and really kind. You In the perfect world. In the um, true not every council, but like just that. the one or two councillors that everybody seems to, well, who knows? Anyway, d- no, that's, I, I, I retract my suggestion. That's a yeah, terrible idea. you're going down idea. a hole here. That's, that's, uh, a, that's a terrible idea. I, I take hope it everyone back. noticed how I just got really quiet there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take back any, anything to do with that. Do not think of that. Do not come up with that idea. The, okay. What about mm. having a bunch of streets that people could name? See this, and I'm not, this one I would... I would be open to this because I think there's a bunch of streets in our city that are, you know. Could be renamed. Could be renamed. Could be renamed. And after, I believe- after famous Hamiltonians. I love that idea. I, I, and I think, I don't, I think it, it, the developer is allowed. In subdivisions, the, the naming yes. rights in subdivisions. To your point, with the history of this city. I think that is a great way to honor our history, educate our history, and would be a much more pleasant way of, of, of uh, you know, giving directions. Oh, yeah, just go down of, you know, we have honorary ones like Filoni Way yep. and, and such. But, but we should have, I really believe, and I've said and, this for a long time, every street around the stadium yeah. Should, if not officially, should have an honorary, like Filoni Way should have be named yeah. honorarily after a former Ticat. And, and I think Angelo Mosca Way. I, I think that's wonderful. There are some streets named after Hamiltonians. Yes. Rymel and, and so Beasley, From a long time from, ago, but yeah. From many, many years ago. And I love that part of the history. What you just suggested in that East Hamilton area, I think it's fantastic. We have a Pat Quinn 
yep. way, or is that an actual yeah, street? Yeah, Parkside Drive. Parkside Drive. Yeah, it's Pat Quinn Way, but it's 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 still Parkside, but it is. I believe it's Parkside. No, you know what? It's not Parkside. Um, hold on, I'll. But think I can. Well, Glenny, well, Glenny, Glenny Street. But I can. You know, the logistical nightmare though of changing all of that. But it could be honorary ones. You put the sign. The one outside okay. on Cannon in front of Tim Hortons Field is Filoni Way, but it's not technically. It, there's a. It's a second. Yeah. Brian Glenny, or not Brian Glenny, <laughs> Glenny Avenue with Pat Quinn. It's an honorary. It's an honorary. And, and I, again, I would love that you could do that in the streets all around the stadium that they are. And if you're a resident, then you can say, oh, yeah, I live on Ange Moskaway or I live on Joe Zuger Drive or pick whatever it is around. You know, now that the First Ontario Centre we're hearing is largely going to be a concert venue. What about Martin Shortway, Eugene Levy Way, SCTV, whatever, Jim Carrey? This, to me, there is no, the, the only downside to this, and if it's honorary, it doesn't make a difference. The only downside to this is the one in a billion chance that somebody inexplicably pulls an O.J. Simpson years later. Yeah. But if it's honorary, you take it off. It's honorary, you take it off. Uh, you might run into issues with, with people wanting to just steal these signs, that can be a cost well, issue, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, like, that is true. Like you got the, the 420 out in the States where they had the 420 mile, they had to change that to 419.9999 because so many people kept selling, stealing the 420 sign. Anyways. It's, it's. I know, like that suggestion. Something to think about for down the road. Mike Fortune, thank you as always for doing this. Always a pleasure. Cable 14, the Hamilton Network. Find him there. Ben, thank you for all your work this week. Folks, we'll be back Monday. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.